0: the trenches every day because i stay on my grind if they hate the element because they won't stop my shine see me running to that money i just want was mine no i don't waste no time no i don't waste no time, whoa, 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 I don't waste no time. welcome back in the feed your brain podcast uh, my name is max and i have a special highlight for me actually in the podcast uh, that i've been um, very interested in for like a couple of years uh, listened to his podcast and Ram Castillo's uh, podcast, who's an Australian friend of mine, also a podcaster, um, and a very impressive founder from the United States, um, known in the tech industry for years. Um, Very good friends with Kevin Rose, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, of course, names that everybody in my community at least knows. So um, very interesting in in that regard. Um, Previously founded the Web App Conference, is now founder of treehouse which probably a lot of people also in germany know um because they bring affordable technology into or affordable technology and education together and um yeah give people the chance to really learn more about coding with uh, different online courses they have and they have had one hundred eighty thousand students in their courses so very interesting ryan carson um the name behind all that and uh, i'm very happy to have you on the podcast happy to be here (laughs)
1: <laughs> thank you very much yeah i'm excited to to chat and and uh share some things i've learned and and appreciate having me on the show
0: yeah really appreciate it shout out to uh to my co-founder Luca, who uh, somehow gave us uh the introduction and uh, break, uh just brought us together i mean uh very special chance i know have you been on the german podcast before is that first time
1: um i think so um I, I I love chatting to the German audience and to German entrepreneurs and, and podcasters and I think you all have a really interesting take. Um, so, I'm excited to be
0: here. Nice. Fantastic. In what regard, do you think we, we live in a little different uh, space than the I, United States?
1: Um, I think, you know, um, and this is, you know, a bell curve, right? So, I'm going to generalize knowing that generally people fit on the bell curve. And I, I find kind of your commitment to data and Um, reason and discipline and process, really refreshing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's not true of everybody that's German, but um, I think I enjoy the frankness of the conversation Mm -hmm. um, in general. Um, So I, I think, gosh, you know, in America, everyone is so emotionally driven all the time that it's actually nice to have just a frank conversation. So I'm excited about that.
0: Cool. Well, I, I I sometimes when I talk to, uh, to to Americans, they think it's very strict, and they have the feeling that they can't get close to Germans because we are very very uh, once driven. I would say that, and maybe we don't have like a little more emotion uh, emotion in our like talking that people really get confused when they talk to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I I I. Just see that as a cultural difference. It doesn't mean you don't feel and that you're not having the same deepness. It's I mean, so I'm married to a, a British woman, mm-hmm. and I you know had to adapt to the way she would speak and 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 the way she would you know show her emotions. And at first, it was very confusing, um, <laughs> but but now I understand like these. It's just a manifestation of of the way culturally you were taught, but everything's still there. So yeah,
0: I'm excited right. about it. Right. I mean, differences somehow always come together, which uh, apparently you and your wife, has it has also happened. Um, we, we figured it out. <laughs> you, you, you figured it out. Very interesting. I mean, um, just to give a little background, I, I saw this morning on Instagram that you woke up at, you said, you just corrected me in the pre-talk at 4.30 probably. Um, yep. the, what I saw, you're on your way to like a Spartan race, which you have done before I saw. But uh, is that something that you have in your mind for for the next months or what's happening there? Yeah. So, uh, basically,
1: um, since January, 2017, I began waking up at 4 30 AM and that allowed me to have time, uh, to complete more tasks, um, to, to stay focused and to clarify what I was doing during the day. Mm -hmm. And then it also gives me time to have a short workout. So, um, I've kind of optimized everything. I, you know, I used to work out at a gym. I cut that. You know, now I work out in my basement. Um, mm-hmm. And so the the story on Insta this morning was me walking to the rope in our front yard. Mm-hmm. So I actually, you know, climb ropes um, uh, to build strength for Spartan races. So I was just going out to the rope in my front yard. And again, it's a time management thing. You know, if I can do that at at my house, you know, I don't have to go to some gym and waste my time. So, um, I, and there's, there's a big connection between um, uh, mental uh, fortitude mm-hmm. and uh, progress at work. And I think endurance is a really important characteristic that I, I didn't f- appreciate for a large part of my career. Um, I didn't connect the two. If you have physical endurance, mm-hmm. you can then apply that to mental endurance at work when you are tired and you, you you don't want to make another call. You don't want to send another email. You don't want to, you know, have one more meeting. You can say, you know, I can do that physically. I'm going to do that mentally. Right. Um, and it's a decision, right? And uh, that has been a game changer for me.
0: Interesting. I mean, uh, the parallel that I can see here is that what I've been, what I've had from my experience that all young people that have somewhat been in like high class sports activities before, they mostly, and it's not, it's probably also very generalistic, but in most cases, they're also very disciplined in regards to work. And I, I think I have, um I think Claude Silver from Vayner Media, she said before that they like to um, hire people that have been very uh, on a high class level in sports before because they know they have a certain level of, uh, commitment and um, discipline towards their job yeah. that they, they execute on.
1: It's very similar. Um, the, you know, it's essentially uh, the ability to do difficult, monotonous work every day. Right. Um, and it, it's interesting how, yeah, there, there is a direct correlation between success at work and that kind of work in your physical life um so i'm starting to think the same way like yeah, i want to look for people who are drawn to athletics i actually don't care about sports Mm -hmm. um i don't have a favorite team really i don't watch sports but i found that the discipline of of um training is a massive unlocker of uh, potential
0: Right, definitely. I think there is also a f- fantastic book. I think the Spark or whatever it's called. Um, was I've heard it, but never read it. Is that the is that the idea of the book? I think it, it more or less tells people to how like mental endurance is in relation to 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 sports and how sports can actually um, develop a mental endurance uh, over time. I think Tim Ferriss also recommended that book. I am not one hundred percent sure. Uh, you you know him probably better than I do, but um, um, I think I think that's what it's about. Cool. Mm-hmm. I think somehow I think co- a cool turn here, because what you just mentioned is to have somehow mental endurance during the beauty of your work, which of course is not always a beauty also it can be uh, very messy and dirty uh, in some in some regard, and uh, maybe for the people that don't know you, which is probably not a lot, but for the people who don't know you, maybe you can give them like a short story of your of your um, of your story yeah I think that yeah, would be sure.
1: Cool. Yeah, you bet. So um, I was born and raised in Colorado um, in a small town called Colorado Springs, Colorado. And um, I was very fortunate to have, you know, a computer in my home when I was young. Um, I graduated um, high school, uh, which is you're kind of 18 when you graduate high school in the U.S. um, around 1996. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had an, an old Apple computer in our home. And so that kind of exposed me to technology. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I was really lucky to have uh, a teacher in high school. Um, The most uncool teacher in the whole whole school changed my life. And she walked up to me in the hallway and said, you know, um, you know, you're doing well in some of my other classes. Have you ever thought about programming? Um, (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And she said, well, it's it's, you tell the computer what to do and it does it. And I said, sign me up. That sounds really, really. (laughs) So that moment changed my life because it was really where I got exposed to the ability to create with technology. So instead of being a consumer, you know, I could actually build things. So went on to the university, um, just went to a normal kind of state run uh, university called Colorado State, got a computer science degree. Um, Again, privileged because my parents paid for that. You know, um, I, I went through without any student debt. Um, it was pretty straightforward and then graduated. And then, um, I had this moment of just kind of clarity where I realized, you know, I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I've lived in the same place my whole life, and that's not bad., um, but I wonder if there's things that i I don't know because I've never been exposed to them, and I can't even see that I don't know. And so I just decided to move to another country. Um, and so I watched a movie, picked England because it looked nice. <laughs> and, and I moved to England. Um, and, you know, I, I kind you of... Have
0: you a visa all that? <laughs> um, it, so uh,
1: America and England have this cool program called the, uh, called the BUNAC program. And it allows you, if you graduate college, to work anywhere in England uh-huh. for a year.
0: Okay. And right.
1: it's just this little blue card. And you could, you know, you could be a bartender or you could be, you know, a consultant or a programmer, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. So I just got in a plane and left. And and I remember my mom cried a lot, um, you know, <laughs> and I was like, I'll be back. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, and so I went to England and then I got my first job and I, I I asked a recruiter to get me a job, you know, Hey, I've got a computer science degree, find me a job. I don't know how to do this in a foreign country, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he got me a job in Cambridge in England and I was a web developer, really simple. You know, it was a tiny little web shop called Spider Creations because it's the web, haha. <laughs>
0: Spider Creations, <laughs> yeah.
1: And it was, you know, there was like five of us. Um, and when was and, that, you know, time-wise? This, this was about 2000, 2001.
0: Okay, so just at the beginning of like the whole web thing.
1: Yep. Yeah, the .dot com bubble hadn't burst yet; it was still building, and okay. everyone was t- talking about it. And um, but this is where again, my life changed. So I got the interview based on the fact I had a computer science degree. And then I walked in, they said, do you write Cold Fusion? And I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, And they said, oh, it's this language, you know, it's like HTML, you you can figure it out. Or it's like PHP. And I was like, "Uh, okay. Um, And I bought a book and I was like, I could do that. And I got a job. And that's when my life changed because I realized my parents had just spent, you know, $50 to $60,000. I had spent 4 years of my life mm-hmm. and yet the job I just got didn't map to my degree. You know, what is wrong with this system? This is really inefficient. Um and I'm very um mission driven and I believe that the most important thing I can do in life is help other people. And I I want to help as many people as I possibly can. And so it just bothered me. I thought, you know, I'm getting a nice job because I'm privileged and lucky that I went to college. Like what if you didn't go to college? You could still do this job. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you didn't study computer science? You could still do this job. So the system is terribly inefficient. Um and people are getting hurt, right? Um so it bugged me and that's the moment that that treehouse was born in my mind. So this is 2000, right? And oh. I didn't start tr- mm-hmm. treehouse till 2010. So really this, this is a, a story about discovering your why discovering the thing that really drives you. So the moment I realized that the system was broken, um, is the moment my, why the seed for it was planted and why means like, why am I doing this? Like what, what really drives me to wake up at four 30. And then it took me 10 years to like figure out how I was going to attack that problem. You know, Mm -hmm. so I was a web developer for four years, and then, and then, and then I met a girl, um, and so I never did go back. (laughs) 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 This is why my mom was crying really hard. She knew, you know, (laughs) meet somebody and never come back. So, um, so we got married, uh, you know, and then I decided to start my first company, and and again, it was very simple. I thought, you know, this running this company stuff can't be that hard. You know, it's just just do it right. Mm -hmm. And so I started my first company. Built a simple product that was for sending large files that you couldn't email. Coded it myself. I found a customer that paid me 3,000 pounds for it. You know? Which is a lot, and,
0: I mean, at the beginning, right? <laughs> it was
1: a lot, but it was kind of like, here's the software forever, right? Oh, you know? <laughs> okay, okay. Right. It was like a
0: license or whatever.
1: No, it was like in perpetuity, you know, because <laughs> you know, I was just trying to do anything I could to close my first deal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got this 3000 pound check and that changed my life because I thought, holy cow, this is, you know, about three months of pay for me, um, at the time. So I could, you know, pay my half of the mortgage. I could, you know, pay my half of the food bill. So let's do it. And, and, uh, ran that company for uh, a while and, and I can dig into that. But then, then I, after that, I started another company that was more about training. I was like, I care about I care about teaching people and helping people. How can I get closer to that? Mm-hmm. So we started doing in-person training um, for how to be a web developer. And it was literally, let's, let's find a teacher, let's pay them to teach for a day. Um, excuse me, let's see if we can get 20 people to pay us uh, to learn for a day, and let's see if that works.
0: But was that, again, on like the backbone of something that you thought was missing? Because apparently there was always something that was missing in some way, right that you realized yeah. there, there needs to be a solution for something, and was that the same thing then at that time? It
1: was Yeah, so it was it was based off of you know me continually having to buy books and mm-hmm. and, and and the internet was still pretty primitive back in 2004, even you know so you could Google things and there's some things around on YouTube when it launched eventually, but there was just no <laughs> way you, could have, you couldn't even learn programming very well. So, you know, I was buying a ton of O'Reilly books and, and, you know, taking a bunch of people's code and then adapting it. And I just thought, this is crazy. You know, you can't learn just a simple how to build a web app. You know, there's, there's no good way to do this. So let's do a one day workshop and teach people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was based on that. Um, and then we did one and it worked in London, you know, we got 20, 30 people to show up and they paid us and they had a good time. And then we thought, let's do another one. And that, you know, worked. And then we did another one and it kind of worked, but not super well. But then we did another one and it worked. And we just kind of slowly built out this, 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 you know, small training company. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then I did that for five years, you know, just kind of cranking away. We did more and more of these things. Um, We did, then we did conferences and, and so, I want everyone listening to kind of hear that, you know, again, this is a gradual journey. You Mm -hmm. know, you can think of, of a winding road through a map, you know, and there's lots of pitfalls and there's lots of mountains and there's lots of valleys and, you know, there's lots of, you know, swamps and, and, and I just was trying to get closer to how do I change more people's lives and help more people using technology. And, and eventually um, I was getting pretty tired doing these big, you know, big conferences and workshops and, and, and it became all about having to get a sponsor to pay, you know, for the event. And it, it became about selling tickets, not changing mm. people's lives. And it, it just started to get, turn into something, you know, we had maybe 10 to 15 employees where it wasn't about changing people's lives and and giving them education. It was about selling tickets and getting sponsors and mm. I just thought, you know, this isn't, this is, this is not what I want to do. This, this isn't going to truly change anything. Um, and so I talked to my wife about it and we just had our first kid. Um, and I think I realized I don't have forever to make an impact. Right. You know, I have limited amount of time on this earth and I need to get to it. Especially if you have
0: a child, then you realize how less the time gets. (laughs) again. Yeah. You're
1: like, you know, I have less time now. I'm also, it becomes very clear. You are, you're going to die at some point, right? You know, you can see your mortality because there's now younger people, you know, than you, they are up and coming. You Mm -hmm. are, you you transition from up and coming to outgoing.
0: Right. Right. And And of course you also want to leave like a legacy for your child, right?
1: Yeah, all that, you know, and I was just like I need to get to it. Um mm-hmm. I want to make significant impact if I can on 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 people's lives. So, um one morning I woke up and my wife and I were brushing our teeth getting ready for the day and and I was like how do we take this thing we've built and scale it and make it affordable and make it accessible for real? Um and she said, you know, why don't we hire a teacher? film them teaching and then put it on the internet <laughs> so like, yeah let's do that right and, and again it,
0: about like youtube or like a self-hosted platform then
1: um you know i i can't remember it basically lynda.com existed okay. um and that was uh there and that was kind of it there was, that was really the only place to learn online that was through mm-hmm. video um i can't remember if youtube was launched yet um I think it was in 2010. That's I should probably check on that.
0: But Probably but, only Gary was
1: was on it with his one Right. One video <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but there wasn't a good school online, so I was like, "Yeah, let's just try it." Um, and this again is, you know, it's easy to look back and, and say, you know, I have 80 employees now. We've taught 850,000 people how to code. You know, we've raised 13 million dollars in rep, in venture capital. We've. It sounds like wow, we're successful. Mm-hmm. But the truth is. You know, on day one, it was like, "Wow, well, let's let's film somebody with a white sheet behind them and and then put it on the internet." You know, I mean, the first version of anything is always bad. Right. Um, so, so that's where Treehouse officially began. You know, and and now we've we've transitioned. We're, we're now helping companies create talent. So, um, in America, we have a, a really brutal problem with diversity and equity and inclusion, mm-hmm. you know, to be blunt, America was founded on slavery. Um, True. and it's really infected America deeply, you know? And so now we have the privileged people winning, you know, we have white people like me, white males mm-hmm. like me, we're, we're, we're winning, right? we we start companies, we invest, we make money, like, and then underrepresented groups are being held out. They're right. being kept out. And, and, <clears throat> and I, I just decided that, you know, this is not okay. We can't just have, you know, white males like me winning and participating in all the wealth creation in America. And and then I had to get brutally honest and look at my own company. So I had built a company, we were 80 people, and actually my company was mostly white and mostly male. So if I believe that this is important, then why did I do it? Right. Um, right. Am, am I a hypocrite or... Or do I not believe, or am I just naive? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I spent a whole year getting educated about this. You know, how, why is this happening? Um, and why am I a part of this? And how can I change my own company?
0: So from like an organizational perspective or from like a personal perspective to understand why you actually hire those people?
1: Both. So Both why, why have I done okay. this? And then how do we change it? Got it. Um, and, you know... In, in America, it, you can get educated about these things. And once you understand the kind of institutionalized sexism and racism that affects America, you, you know, then you can start to change it. So then what I realized is, gosh, there is amazing talent everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really, all we need to do is change the way we hire to give access um, because the door is closed right now to people that don't have a computer science degree. Um, the people getting computer science degrees are white males. So like, we got to change that. And then I think this, this will resonate with you and all of your German listeners apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. True. Let, let's actually let people learn on the job, Mm -hmm. right? What better way could there possibly be to Mm -hmm. get educated? Right. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the idea is let's find amazing talent with potential and then let's invest in them. Right. Let's actually in, invest in them so they can learn
0: on the job, on, the, on right. the process, right? Yeah, right.
1: And then and then turn them into the talent we need. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that more sustainable and, and better anyway? Um, right. right. So we basically try to program. You know, let's let's go. We have an organization called the Boys and Girls Club here. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a nonprofit that supports um, primarily uh, underserved communities, so they, their kids have a place to go after school. So it. they end up being mostly black and brown kids. Um, they get fed, they get supported while their parents are, you know, finishing work. Amazing. So we went to them and said, we want to invest in this community. Uh, we want to hire your amazing graduates. We need them. This is not charity. Um, and, you know, this is not a handout. Like we, we want to invest in them mm-hmm. and then let's put what they said, okay, we'll help you uh, find an amazing class um, that want to do this. And then we said, we're going to uh, then give them a scholarship to our tech degree. And our tech degree is an online um, boot camp. Mm-hmm. It takes about six months. Um, it's 10 projects that, that you make. They're real. They get graded. You know, you get code reviewed. You have a community to support you. It takes about six months, but you do it two hours a day. So the idea is you hold down your current job while you're learning the, the very basic skills. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you want to be a carpenter you may go to night school to learn you know how to use a saw how to use a hammer
0: right right
1: build 10 yeah. basic projects you know a deck you know a chair a table right <laughs> and and then you and then after the 6 months then you get hired as an apprentice and then it's like okay now we're going to take your ability to build a deck or a chair and we're going to we're going to use that to create you know a whole house for a customer Makes sense, yeah. and I'm going to mentor you, you know, on the job, and so then we hired them as apprentices, and and we booted that up, and it worked. Um, it was essentially a side project for Treehouse, wow, and it worked, and it it's kind of obvious, I think. Of course it worked, duh. I mean, like you're <laughs> you're taking amazing talent with raw potential and you're investing in that talent and then you're hiring them as apprentices,
0: right? Yeah, but you first have to like observe the market. I mean, it's also like, of course, it's about HR and people, but of course you need to understand what your company is like and what you need to further develop and uh, bring in like diversity into the company to get even more successful, right?
1: Right. And se- so, you know, I hope what's relevant to your audience is what what actually happened is we ended up building a product, so as soon as we saw that we could change our own company, then mm-hmm. we realized, wow, we could actually change other companies. Um, and therefore we could change more lives. Right. And so then once we built this kind of MVP, you know, inside a treehouse, mm-hmm. we realized, wow, let's go find someone else to install a pilot program like it. And and so I went out and started talking to companies, and we got a ton of companies to say yes. So now MailChimp, uh, Envision. Chegg, Mind um, and then a bunch of Acquia and a bunch of other big companies have started to say, mm-hmm. we want to we want to invest in creating talent. We want to have a diverse team, you know. And so now we're plugging in. It's called Talent Path. Is this new product, and and it's the fastest part. It's the fastest growing part of Treehouse. Wow. Um, and, and it's so- part,
0: part of that new new company that you somehow developed in the sub region of your of Treehouse.
1: Yeah, it's essentially our business, our B two B product, right? Yeah. So now this is what we sell to businesses. Um, and so, what's cool about I'm going to try to connect the dots. What's interesting about the story is, I took my deep passion for changing people's lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I I kind of stumbled around trying to figure out, okay, how do we really do this? And eventually tried to figure out how do we solve a problem for ourselves. Solved it. And then realized we could scale that solution, and then I went out and asked people to buy it, right? right? And that's essentially the entrepreneurial, you know, path. and mm-hmm. And so I think, not, and I didn't know if it was going to work. You know, um, in hindsight, I didn't know if companies. But it would worked for plans. you, right?
0: I mean, if it worked for you, you knew that you already had one customer. Yeah. So there are probably a couple of more customers interested in the product that you like.
1: Yeah. So. That's kind. Of, it was a big entrepreneurial, you know, journey, and and now we're in a spot where we're we're scaling that and growing it and learning, you know, how to do that, and and we still don't know everything, and we won't know everything for you know forever, mm-hmm. um, but but we're learning a lot.
0: I love that. I mean, as you just mentioned, it's really a long and very deep journey. Funny, actually, today a couple a friend called me, and he also described like a hill that you walk as an entrepreneur and you somehow build up the skills and the knowledge on the hill on the, until you're on the top. And if you're on top, you really understand, okay, what actually is my vision? Because you look down to the, to, to the town or to the village or whatever, and you see, okay, that's my vision. That's my why. And (laughs) I want to strive for, for the goals that I have. And I want to strive and and see if I can reach the village. And by walking down, you actually pass, pass another hills. And, uh, difficult path but you know you have a why and that's the reason why you strive for the success and the big goals that you have in life and i love that
1: that's a cool analogy because it it i think it's true um your your why isn't always clear on the way up Mm -hmm. Um, but then you can start to see it and understand how all the dots fit together Um, right you know i i would have never known that i could you know invest in and and support and be an ally to, you know, underrepresented groups in America and actually help them, you know, get access to technology. And now and now we're doing it and I can see it and it drives me even harder. You
0: know, mm-hmm. and only because
1: it went up that journey.
0: Right. And in, in some regard, if you look at the if you look at the American market, you're also, as you mentioned at the beginning, you're also very privileged in some regard because you have lots, lots of high potential people in your market. If you look at the San Francisco based uh, region I mean how many good techies are in the in the region there how many good founders that you could possibly connect with um, and something that I found very interesting in that regard is you have always been a person that likes to meet people uh, you've done seminars to tell people how things actually work now you do a lot of stuff online and you teach people online what has changed for your company on like a on like a maybe on the thinking basis but also for you personally when you moved offline to online and now you get feedback through online r- reviews and recommendations and not ju- and you don't really see people in, in real time what has changed for you personally but also for your company? Um, so most of the reason we were doing that
1: is to scale. you know mm-hmm. we can help more people that way. Um, but I'm still doing a lot of sales you know in person and okay. doing a lot of you know closing deals and and building relationships. Um, so a lot of that is still happening. Um, but the the general education now is one to many um, mm-hmm. versus, you know, one to one or one to 30. Um, it's one to, you know, 10,000. Um, so that's the way we scale, which allows us to, you know, reduce costs um, and increase profit at the same time. So
0: right makes sense. Okay. So you still try to be the representative for the company in order to understand what customers and what the customer feedback is.
1: Yeah, I, I'm essentially, you know, have learned how to do sales. Um, so I'm on the sales team, um, right. you know, and so I, and that's a, that was a big lesson I learned, you know, as a founder or CEO that really I needed to be the first person to try to sell things and figure them out. And, and I needed to be out there putting, you know, risking and getting shot down and then learning, um, you know, more so than anybody else and then, and then passing those lessons on.
0: Got it. Got it. I mean, and you have also, I mean, in regards to like you, you just said, closing deals, which of course relies on relationships. In if you look at your market, I mean, you have a lot of competitors um, that somehow strive for the same thing that you have. Maybe the difference is that the founder behind Treehouse is much more um, passionate for the actual actual dream behind Treehouse than maybe the founders of other companies. Let's assume that. What do you think? How how do you still manage? competition but still we also talked a little bit on the pre-talk how do you still manage um competition in some regard but also still believing that the vision and the mission that you have is the right one how do you how do you how do you balance it
1: um i think uh focusing on a small number of things um is necessary Mm -hmm. um so what we've decided to do is focus solely on creating beginners so You know, we have competitors like Pluralsight that, you know, have raised hundreds of millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. you know, compared to our 13 million. Mm -hmm. You know, Udacity has raised like $120 million. I mean, they've raised so much more money than us um, that the way we can compete and win is by being laser focused. So Mm -hmm. we're not trying to teach everything to everybody. Um, We're trying to specifically teach... you know, a small list of topics, uh, to a specific group of people. And we can be the best at that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's the way we look at competition is that, you know, we can be better long-term by focusing, um, and caring less about scale, you know, and Mm -hmm. and saying, we don't have to have, you know, a hundred, you know, hundred thousand uh, customers right now what we care about is being really really effective for the customers we have um so it's constantly about focusing everybody down
0: got it and i mean if you a lot of people in my community also follow tim ferris of course and he always says if you have a thousand customers that are happy with your product you can earn possibly the same amount of money that another company has that has like 15,000 um, 15, customers. So it really doesn't make a difference. You just need to find like a certain niche that a company wants to be passionate about and really build on on the niche that, that you like.
1: Yeah, and just start there, you know, and build mm-hmm. a really great business that that supports your customers. that makes a difference, and then try to scale it versus like the other way, scale and then try to figure out, you know, if you have a business that is viable. Um, right. I I do think I'm more driven than than my competitors, um, founders, you know, right. I, I, you know, I regularly say you'd have to kill me to get me to stop working on Treehouse, house. And then I would, <laughs> I would still crawl to the grave and keep going. You know, uh, I'm really driven, but that's because I understand that why, mm-hmm. um, at a very, very deep level and, and money doesn't drive me, you know? Right. Um, I mean, I want to deliver value to my shareholders, but, but ultimately impact is the most
0: important thing. Right, right. And you can, of course, you have walked up that hill that we described and you have find your why. That's, I think that's a big, big difference here. And a lot of people in Germany, especially, they're very concerned about where technology goes and how technology is used in some way. Of course, if you look at, I don't know if you have the same word for it, but GAFA, Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook who somehow of course lead the world in in some regard and coding begets more relevant design gets more relevant strategic design gets more relevant i just had the 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 chief designer of sap in the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he also described how how visionary sap actually thinks as a german company but of course acting globally what do you what would you tell people um, in the european market of course or in the global market how is technology changing especially if coding somehow gets um, gets something that can be substituted in any way because there's so many good coders out there? How do you think uh, technology is going to change?
1: I think, you know, for the next 10 years, we're going to see a wave of, you know, massive job creation in Mm -hmm. tech um, because, you know, we're in a space where, uh, you know, software is eating the world, right? So, So everything we're touching and using is now having software inserted into it um, or, you know, hardware is being driven by software. So I think we're going to see that continue. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we're going to have a continue to have a major talent shortage. And so the way I think companies should think about it is, uh, consider creating talent instead of hiring it out of college. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that there's going to be a massive shift, um, over the, in the next 10 years on how people source talent and I think it's going to be from apprenticeship. So that's right. the, bi- the big lesson here. You know, coding, designing, you know, these are all things that are high level trade jobs. Right. Um, you know, it's not computer science. You know, it's, it's, it's not something you should learn in university. It's something you should do on the job. And that means we'll see a general decrease in the salaries, mm-hmm. um, but they'll still be very well paid. They'll still be wonderful jobs you know to have um so i think that's where we're kind of going
0: right understand okay so you really think that there's a movement going in regards to of course we have less of course we have more coders but we have less uh, le- like um, the, the market gets less for the coders and therefore salaries decrease and but of course still the the i like the the point of how you describe that the apprenticeship actually opens the door for companies to actually have good talent um, because I think what we have done very well in Germany mm-hmm. at least is to have those apprentices and really build people, but it was more on jobs that were hand-focused and not yeah. technology-focused. And now companies and really big companies have the challenge to be attractive for young people because they don't know how they actually can get attractive, and technology is so far away from their thinking that they don't have feel feeling for how they can actually create talent on the go and on the process because they still don't have a structure and a strategy to, to, to maintain and build up good good talent
1: right yeah there's good talent it turns out literally in your neighborhood you just have right. to open the door and create a path right mm-hmm. and that talent's going to be more loyal it's going to retain longer it's going to be harder working you know um, you know versus entitled talent that's coming out of the university program that will essentially go to the highest bidder right mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not sustainable. So
0: Interesting. Thank you for your thoughts there. I mean, that's super interesting, I think, for, for the, the listeners here. One thing that also came up from from one of my followers and, and listeners, um, because he said, please ask Ryan, because apparently people have been aware of you and the leadership styles that you have. And I thought, I think in, in my research, I've watched like a Instagram live, whatever with you and Gary and Gary said, you're one of like the most compassionate leaders that he knows. And, uh, I can, I can totally feel that, uh, since you have very emotionally driven, what do you think, like, how do you actually lead your company? I mean, you have 80 employees, which is, which is quite a lot and you have to manage them. How do you, do you have certain routines habits that you lead your people with or, do you have external leadership skills that bring, bring you in and get you better? Or what's, what's, what's your mission there and your routines? So the biggest thing I've learned is that you have to
1: build trust um, between your team. Mm-hmm. So um, trust is a very vague word. So I want to clarify what I mean by that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a book that I recommend everybody reads called Speed of Trust. Mm-hmm. And Speed of Trust explains how to build trust in your team. And I did not understand how important this was for a, a big chunk of my career. Um, now I understand that once you build trust, then you can move you know, 10x faster. And, and, and so you actually have to invest a lot of time and effort into that up front, and then it pays off massively later. Um, so that book explains the four parts of trust, um, but it actually gives you behaviors that you can start to demonstrate to build trust. Got Um, so there's, I think like 13 behaviors of trust. And then they explain, you know, if you're trying to repair trust, you know, exercise these five of the 12, or if you're trying to establish trust, then, you know, um, demonstrate six of the 12. And, Mm -hmm. and it kind of just lays out, you know, a playbook. Um, and it explains trust is, is four things. It's, it's a tree. So imagine a tree, a tree, you know, has roots, a trunk branches and leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. So the root of trust is, um, integrity. You know, do you, do you basically believe somebody has integrity that they, you know, that they'll do what they're going to say they're going to do. They're a good person that they're fundamentally good. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't believe that, like you'll never build trust. Right. right. Um, so you start there. Most people at work generally have that of each other like uh, okay I, i'm pretty sure you're generally a good person mm-hmm. and, and then you go up to the trunk and the, the the um trunk is uh is capability um you know i'm sorry no intention so mm-hmm. what is this person's intent like what are they trying to do and do i understand it mm-hmm. you know are they trying to you know, remove this department completely, you know, because are they trying to hit this goal? Like, what are they trying to do? Once you understand someone's intent, you can better trust them. Got it. Cause you know, like why, why, what's the reason why they're doing what they're doing?
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: the branches are capabilities. So does this person have the capability of delivering results? You know, maybe they're not delivering results yet, but they have the capability of doing so. So do they essentially have the hard skills and soft skills to deliver? Um, You know, a good example is, you know, if you hire an account executive to sell, Mm -hmm. do do you think they have all the abilities to do that? They're not hitting their number yet, but do they have the ability probably? And then the last is results. So the leaves are the results. Eventually you have to deliver results to get trusted. Mm -hmm. Um, You can have the three things and never deliver results and you won't be trusted. So you have to have those four things. Once you do that, it really unlocks your team. So we focus on trust first, um, and then we focus on uh, being very clear about our expectations. So Mm -hmm. what are we trying to do by when? Mm -hmm. And so we have a two-year vision, which is a poster that's literally on the wall outside my door. Mm -hmm. And it explains, these are the three numbers that we're trying to change by January 1st, 2020. We're going from here to here. And then every month we talk about that. Okay, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're doing on this goal. Um, here's what everybody needs to know. so it keeps everybody aligned with what are we doing by when mm. um, and then people can say, well what's my role in that? you know what, how does my daily work roll up to this two-year vision goal? Um, so, so you start with trust and then you establish you know clear goals you know what by when and then you communicate regularly about that. Um, and then you support all that with, you know, continuing to build trust and we, it's made a total change at Treehouse. You know, we've really started to lean in on this pretty heavily, Mm -hmm. um, you know, last year and it's really started to to cause huge change. It's exciting.
0: Cool. Luckily. I mean, uh, that's, that's fantastic. I will definitely put speedo trust in, in the show notes if people further want to, want to deep dive on that. Um, fantastic. Do you have a couple more minutes or? Yeah, let's do it. Great. Um, maybe something that I think is also very interesting. We covered it at the beginning is this whole routine part of you personally waking up at four 30. Maybe can you give a little insight how you structure your day and maybe also take us back maybe in the night before, how do you prepare for sure. the, the upcoming day and how does the whole day starts? Yeah. So, um, I, the, the night before I usually
1: look at my calendar real quick to see like, what am I generally doing tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is sometimes that caused me to think about work um, before I go to sleep. So I'm trying to like balance that, you know, because uh-huh. <laughs> um, sometimes I have trouble sleeping if I'm thinking about work. Um, so that's one thing I struggle with right now. Because um, there's no passionate, of course. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, and, it, and so I go to bed around ten, as when I try to be asleep, and then mm. uh, wake up at four um, thirty. One of the little tricks that I have is um, I immediately listen to music when I wake up. Okay. because it changes my state of mind you know because i'm tired i'm you know kind of discouraged immediately when i wake up and listening to energetic music immediately changes it you know physiologically it has effect on you mm-hmm. um and so i listen with to music earbuds and, or with just with like a earbuds yep just yeah, okay. because my family's sleeping right so <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, you no know, so i kind of creep out of bed and my wife and two kids are still sleeping so then i go downstairs and Put on coffee, grab a you know a protein shake, and and continue listening to music. And then i I put all my to dos. You know, I I kind of filter through them and clarify them for the day.
0: Mm-hmm. What am
1: I doing today? What's the top priorities? And then I just get to work
0: with um, a pencil and paper, or with a...
1: it depends. So I used to do pencil and paper, but I found it it ended up being easier for me to have it be digital. Um, so right now it's digital. Th- there's no secret here. It's just Asana like, or what do you, Asana? Saying? Yep. So, uh-huh. Asana is my current, you know, tool. It, but again, it doesn't matter. It could be a rock on a wall. <laughs> it could be a, I mean, just have your list and have it be the priority stuff, right? That's the key. Right. <clears throat> and then, and then I just crank, you know, try to get some of those key things done before my workout at, at um, I think my workout starts at 6 Mm-hmm. Um, so I get a good hour and a half in, go to the, down to the basement, you know, get real sweaty real fast and then finish in 45 minutes and then come back up and then it's family time. Um, and so we have good dedicated family time. This has been a key to me staying married for 14 years Mm -hmm. is, is making sure that I have dedicated time with my wife, you know, so I bring her up a cup, you know, two cups of coffee, one for me, one for her. And we sit in bed and we talk for like half an hour. And that's so important. I mean, we've literally done that for fourteen years, right? You know, and it's a game changer. Um, and so you you just hear stuff, and she hears stuff, and you talk, and um, so that's been really key. Then have breakfast, uh, um, and then we. Then I I'm at I leave for work at eight thirty, um, and then just work really hard. I mean, like I don't take breaks at work. Mm-hmm. I don't take lunch. I just don't have time for that stuff. I I, I wish I did. But because I don't stretch my work hours into night, mm-hmm. I, I finish at 6, like 6.05 exactly. I, I want to get home and see my family. So I can't, like, get work done in the evening.
0: Right, um,
1: And so I've got to, like, maximize the day as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, so come home, I get home around kind of 6.20, have dinner, spend time with, you know, the kids and my wife, and then hang out with my wife and then go to bed around 10.
0: Great. And uh, you somehow manage it. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. And communication is very important to you with your family and your wife as well, right? To to see yeah. how they understand what you're doing. I mean, waking up at 4.30 also maybe distracts your wife in a bit, but she seems to be fine with it. She, she Yeah, she didn't
1: love it at first and now she just accepts I'm not going to stop. So mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I think she's like, whatever, just do your 4.30 things. <laughs> fantastic. I mean, that's uh, such a Lovely finish word. I mean, um, maybe just as a thank you note for for my community. I mean, it's we have done like I think fifty minutes of amazing content. Uh, Ryan, thanks a lot. Really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, my pleasure. Just as just seeing a passionate person understanding technology, but also wanting to bring something to the to the world in general, maybe really makes me happy, and I think makes the people happy. And really enjoyed the interview. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. How can people connect to you on Twitter, LinkedIn, everything is possible, right?
1: Um, Yes. So if you just Google Ryan Carson, I'm everywhere. So um, (laughs) I'm Ryan Carson on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm Ryan Carson on LinkedIn. I've been really active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's been really great for me recently. I'd highly recommend people start creating content on LinkedIn. It's I mean, it's bonkers. Like, I think I've gotten like 50,000 views on a video that I made the other day. Um, and it's just me like holding my phone and talking for a minute, you know? So LinkedIn, check it out.
0: Definitely, 100%. Thank you. And i um, looking forward to see you soon, maybe in Germany soon. Let's see. Sounds,
1: sounds good. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Ryan.